0: Grab your Bibles if you would, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, Galatians chapter 6, pretty familiar chapter to most, I would probably say. And it starts off with a brother who's been overtaken in a fault and isn't living right and how to restore them and how to strengthen and how to help them and try to get them back up because ultimately every man shall bear his own burden. And you get down to verse number seven though and they, you get a warning and you get a law really, a, a rule that comes out and and a ultimately a law of nature and how God has designed things. And you get to verse number seven, probably familiar, we'll read the next few verses here, but Galatians 6 and verse 7, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season, season we shall reap if we faint not. As we have therefore opportunity, let us do good unto all men, especially unto them who are of the household of faith. Uh, There's certain things that we look at. We observe laws. Uh, Scientists ultimately, uh, right, they are supposed to determine laws. They come up with theories and then you prove the theory becomes law, Uh, no matter what they try to do with different theories and try to make them laws when they're not. Uh, But you have certain laws, uh, things that aren't broken. They're a constant. Uh, Throughout life, we, we have different things. There's uh, certain laws within the Bible, certain things that are governed and they stay that way. And uh, we, have, we have the seasons, the sun and the moon rising and setting. All those things, they're all set up for time. God had designed that as law. Uh, and it's set up and it's designed and those things won't stop until God stops all of time. That's how he's designed it back in Genesis. We have laws that are constants. Uh, And here you find a spiritual law that is there, and it's ultimately called the law of sowing and reaping. Uh, We sow and we reap, Uh, those are a constant in our lives. They are never ending. Those things are always going to be there. We put seed in and we gain a crop. That is always how it works. But the warning of this, cha- of this section of this chapter starts with a warning of be not deceived. Now, there's plenty of times in the Bible where he mentions to us not to be deceived. Uh, you know, don't be deceived. Why? Uh, well, you better take heed that you stand lest you fall. You don't, don't be deceived into thinking you're standing when you're not uh, going to be able to. Don't be, don't be deceived by evil workers and workers of iniquity. And don't be deceived by false prophets. He's got plenty of be not deceived. Uh, but right here, he is purposely telling you be not deceived. Why? Because God is not mocked. That statement means ultimately, right, you're not going to make a fool out of God. Uh, you can make a fool out of a lot of people. You can deceive a whole bunch of people. You can make everybody else think that what you are doing is great and you're always so wonderful, uh, right? We can go ahead. We can act like we've got it all under control and everything's going to be good. Uh, you know, we, we walk in and no matter how bad it was, right, you're arguing in the car. Everybody's fighting. Things are going crazy. You walk into church. All of a sudden, it's smiles and sunshine and roses. There's rainbows bows, and unicorns everywhere. Everybody's licking ice cream cones and we're all just excited to be here right but we know the reality was we were arguing in the car and everything wasn't going well and you had a rough morning and you finally got here and you're just happy that you aren't yelling at everybody anymore right It's just how it is that's life and you can deceive everybody else into thinking that you had a great morning today but you and god know whether you had a great morning or not all right. That's just how it is. Everybody else goes, oh man, they're just such a happy family. Everything's so great. They look like they've got everything in order. They're dressed right. Everything's good. They're here on time. It's wonderful. And the Lord's like, you and I both know you didn't have everything under control this morning. God knows the eyes of the Lord are in every place beholding the evil and the good. Uh, everything is naked and open under the eyes of him with whom we have to do. He knows what's right and what's not. He knows what's going on in our lives, whether anybody else knows or not. He understands. So the, the problem that we have, the warning that he's giving us as he starts this section off is very simple. Don't be deceived into thinking that God doesn't know. Don't be so foolish to think that God doesn't understand or know or realize what you have going on and what you are doing. Because the tendency for us to think we can hide what we have done is very prevalent. Your children didn't take very long to figure out how they could lie and act like they didn't do some things that you and I both know that they had done, <laughs> right? Uh, let's, let's, Uriah has started to learn. Did you hit your brother? Now it's no. No. <laughs> with the questioned puzzled look like, can I get away with saying no? Because he found out when he said yes, he got in trouble. Now he finds out when he says no, he gets in more trouble. So that he realizes that lying is worse than hitting your brother after you've hit your brother, right? You can be punished for doing one thing, but now you've done two things. You get more punishment, right? That's, that's the reality because you have to teach them that I do know what you have done. In fact, I do know and now you are punished for both things. If you would have just told me the truth, you'd only have one problem. Isn't that how we are with God? Well, God, I did you? Uh No. Lord's <laughs> well, <was> like, "Yes." <laughs> and now that's two, right? He is he understand and he and you aren't going to fool him into thinking that you're better than you are. You may fool me into thinking you're better than you are. You may fool everybody else in the room into thinking that you're better than you are. But the truth of the matter is, God knows exactly who you are. He knows what you think. He knows what you do. He knows what you say. He knows how you behave yourself when you're around one person and when you're not around them and what you say and how you behave. He knows what you are behind closed doors and he knows what you are when you walk the streets. He knows all about it. And you're deceived if you think that you're going to make God look foolish. Balaam thought he could make God look foolish. And he died for it. (laughs) Well, you know, if I just tell him I can get my house full of gold. If I tell Balak how to get Israel cursed by God, I can go ahead and get my house full of gold. And God says, okay, you can go ahead and go, go try and pick up your house full of gold. And when Balak... Goes ahead and brings Balaam back and Balaam tries to come back to get his house full of gold. There's a war happening and Balaam dies. It's as if God says, uh, Balaam looked at God and said, God, I didn't curse Israel, you did. And he steps up in front of God and God says, I didn't kill you, that guy did. <laughs> See that guy? We'll, we'll watch it on replay, replay, Balaam. I'll watch you get sorted again. Just, just stabbed and run right through. That's fine with me. No problem for me, because you're not going to make a fool out of God. The entire warning here is all about the fact that, you know what, you can do what you really want to do, but don't think you're going to get away with whatever you want to do. That's the warning. You think you can get away with a lot of things, but God is never going to be mocked. You won't make him look foolish. You'll end up looking foolish, but he won't. And so let's go to Lord in prayer, and we're going to look at this law of sowing and reaping. Father, I thank you for the morning, and we thank you for the goodness that you've shown us. Father, the mercy that you've shown us, the, the reality that we are able to meet freely today and open a Bible and see what God has to say about our lives. And I do pray you would help me to say what you want me to say this morning, that there would be no extra and no less than what you would want. And Father, I pray that it would be a word fitly spoken today. Lord, I pray you'd encourage us to do right and to live right and to have the things in order that we ought to. And Father, I pray you would bless our day today. I pray if someone here is lost, I know Jesus Christ can save. Lord, I pray that today would be the day of salvation for them. Lord, help us to have ears to hear what God has to say to us today and help us to be doers of the word and not hearers only. And once again, we pray you'd come back soon in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing we see very quickly is there is a formula to this idea of sowing and reaping. Uh, God is all about formulas. He's got everything in place. He's putting everything. He is a numbers guy. All right. I am a numbers guy I like numbers. Uh, he's good with numbers. Uh, so how do you know that? Because he knows how many hairs are on your head. He puts your tears in a bottle. He's all about record keeping. That's all what that is. It's all records to him. Uh, he keeps them and he keeps them and he keeps them. He's got better records than anybody else has ever had. He knows everything about it. And he's keeping records. And so what does he know? Well, verse number seven, for whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Now, the formula is whatever you plant, you reap. He started that all the way back in Genesis chapter one. A tree brings forth after his kind. You don't, you don't, put, you don't put apple seed in the ground and get an orange tree. You, just, you can't do it. It's not how it works. Whatever you put in the ground, that's what you get back. That is the law of sowing and reaping. Sowing and reaping is what I put in the ground, I'm going to reap. You're going to get something for what you did. No matter what you sow, you always reap, and you always reap it after you have sown it. You don't get a crop before you put anything in the ground. You've got to put it in the ground first. So you know what? You can't bank on God giving you something great before you've done anything great. You aren't reaping for the benefits of greatness before you get to do anything right. (laughs) You, you, You don't get the crop and the harvest before you get the work to plant and to sow it. You have to put it in the ground first. And on top of that, the formula is it's not one for one. You never put one thing in the ground to get one thing back. You get one thing in the ground and get multiples of what you get back. Sowing and reaping is not the one for one. Sowing and reaping is very simply a multiplication of what you have been given. And that's great if you sow the right stuff. That's the warning. The warning is you can sow whatever you want to sow. But know this, whatever you put in the ground, you're going to get back more than you put in. And that can be a benefit or That could be highly detrimental to your life. You've seen the results of what you do. The results of what we do is very simple. God goes ahead and says, okay, whatever you put in, that's what you'll get out. And however much you put in, you'll get out more. And if you want to, you can sow whatever you like. What's wonderful is God didn't go ahead and save you for all of eternity and then go, okay, now you're a robot. We love that idea. We get to choose what we want to choose and we get to do what we'd like to do and we still have our freedom. In fact, we have more freedom because we were given liberty in Christ and then we choose. But the problem is we were lost and we made bad choices. Now we're saved and we still know how to make bad choices. But what we sow, we reap. And you always reap more than you sow. And it always happens after you've sown it. And you also don't get to determine how much you sow or how much you reap from what you've sown. You decide what you sow, but you don't have any idea how much you're going to get back. You have no clue. It always multiplies. You know you'll get more, but you have no idea how much more. I mean, you hope at times that it fails and you don't get nearly as much as you should. You hope somehow God causes a drought on all the terrible that you've done so that it doesn't quite grow the same. And you hope that all the good things that you've done, God pours out extra water on that thing and gives it some more sunshine and throws some miracle grow in there and gets you the best crop ever for all the good things you've done. And you hope that all the things you've failed at, you don't have to reap for. But you don't choose that. You and I don't get to choose the consequences for our actions. Could you imagine if when you, when you have failed, you get to go ahead and go, oh, let's see, I think I will take the lighter punishment. <sighs> it's not your choice. That's not how it works. And so God says, hey, you know what? Here's what you can do. You can sow and you can choose what to sow. But everything after that, it's all up to me. You can decide what you put in the ground, how long it takes before it springs up, that's on me. How much I give you when it comes up, that's on me. If I let it die in the ground and I barely let it come back up and you don't really get much from it, that's because I was blessing you (laughs) in your failure. (laughs) But if I multiply it greatly, that's also because I'm blessing you. What a wonder that he knows what's right. You say, why? Because he's the one who's not going to get mocked. You're going to make him look foolish. At the end of the day, when that crop comes in and the reaping time comes for whatever it is you've sown, you find out very quickly, God knew exactly what you've done and you are getting exactly what you should. The problem is we go, I don't, I don't deserve that. You can fool everybody else into thinking you don't deserve what you get. But God knows you deserve exactly what you You say. That doesn't seem very sensitive. I mean, I'm the victim. You realize everybody today in a world thought system, the way that the world thinks, you either become two things because you want to manipulate everybody else. So what they do is they either go one direction and they say, I win and I'm amazing. And they over the top that they win, even though nobody else really contended with them. We're all winners here. Everybody gets a trophy. Everybody gets this because you have to feel good about you. The opposite side is I didn't win and I didn't get a trophy and I'm pretty much a loser But what I have to do is make everybody else feel sorry for me, and I'm a victim. When the reality is, no, you got what you put in. If you didn't study for the test, you don't deserve to pass the test. (laughs) If you didn't do the work, why would I give you any any reward for that? (laughs) If you didn't get the job, oh, well, you know, all the, okay, you can make excuses if you want to, but everybody else did it. So why didn't you? (laughs) Because I didn't want to. There you go, sowing and reaping. That's the consequences. But people don't want consequences today. They say, well, you know, if I can just get around it, I don't have to have the consequences. I mean, why should I have to actually put in work and get something? <laughs> why can't I just get something without the work? That's not how sowing and reaping You don't get everything for free. Salvation is the only truly free thing you ever could get. But Jesus Christ had to pay for it. The price of our sin was paid at Calvary because somebody was willing to pay for you. The debt of all your sin was paid at Calvary because Jesus Christ was willing to give his life a ransom for many and pay the debt of all of your sins. And then he offers that gift to you because he paid it in full so that you didn't have to worry about it. But the choice is yours whether you receive them or not. Sowing and reaping. We'll get to that in a minute. But notice what else he says. The formula is, if you sow, you will reap. You sow and you reap more than you've sown. You always will reap. You don't determine how much you reap. But God always has the right formula. And you will reap. And then he says this, be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. Verse number 8, for he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. You've got the formula, and then you've got the seeds that we can sow. There's only two, two types of seed he's got. That's it. This garden is very much just two crops, kind of like around here, right? You either put down the corn or the soybeans, and you rotate it. You do, right, Brother, Brother Russ, got it all under control. And uh, we have all these things. We, we rotate. We do certain crops, Brother Lang. What do we do? We plant crops. But God's only given you two choices. You'll either sow to the flesh or you'll sow to the spirit. Those are the only two options. Now the lost man, the the person who does not know that their sins are forgiven forever and that they're going to heaven, they only have one option. That's it. If you don't know Jesus Christ as your savior, you only have one option and that's sow to the flesh. That's it. That's all you know how to do because you don't have the Holy Spirit. You don't have God. He is your, ultimately, He is the only person that can save you and the only person who can do anything for you and He's the only person who can give you forgiveness and He's the only person. But if you don't deal with Him and get that, you never get the Holy Spirit given to you. And without Jesus Christ as your Savior, you will never, you will never be able to, because you didn't receive the seed of sowing, In the spirit, you don't have it, so you can't do it. And so, it's your choice. He that soweth to the flesh, shall the flesh reap corruption. Then the question comes, well, what's the flesh? Look back at Romans. We'll come back here, but look at Romans. Romans chapter 7. Romans chapter 7. This is a pretty good definition of God's thoughts on the flesh. Verse number five: "For when we were in the flesh, he puts in, in between those two commas the definition: the motions of sins, which were by the law, did work in our members to bring forth fruit unto death." He says, "Hey, you know what you know what the flesh is? The motions of sins. You know what the flesh wants? Always moving towards sins. Doing the wrong thing. Our flesh wants to do wrong all the time. That's why there is not a just man upon the earth that doeth good and sinneth not. That is why there is none righteous, no, not one. That is why for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Because we are in the flesh, our humanity, and you know what we are? We are automatically drawn to being sinners. (laughs) We want sin. That's what our flesh wants. It desires to be sinful. That's what it does. You go ahead and and look down the entirety of this chapter and you can go ahead and, and, I mean, it is replete with what the flesh does and the way the flesh thinks. You get to verse number 18. For I know that in me that is in my flesh dwelleth no good thing. There is nothing good about your flesh. It wants and it craves and it desires all of the wrong things. There's nothing good about it. The world looks at you and says, well, you know, you need to love yourself for who you are. God says, yeah, but you're wicked and sinful. Your flesh lusts against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh and the two are contrary the one to the other so that you cannot do the things that you would. Your flesh wants everything that God doesn't want you to have. And God wants you to always have the best, and your flesh just wants you to have what it wants. And the desires of the flesh and of the mind, we're by nature children of disobedience, he says in Ephesians. The desires of the flesh and of the mind make you a child of disobedience, a child of wrath, a child of the death. That's what you run to. The desires of that flesh is to run directly toward the sins that that these people have. It runs directly toward all the things that you want, as opposed to what God would have you do. (coughs) Excuse me, look over back at Galatians chapter 5. Galatians chapter 5. He says in verse 16, "Walk This I say, then walk in the Spirit, and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusteth against the Spirit, the Spirit against the flesh, and these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Well, what's the outward showing of, of the flesh? Which are these? Adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, Witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. He goes, I'm not even going to list all of it. Just everything that goes along with that stuff. Okay? Of the which I tell you before, as I have told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. You know what he says? He says, hey, you want to know what you're doing? It's contrary to the Spirit of God. That list right there, the works of the flesh are manifest, which are the, this is what you do when you're running by the flesh. It's very apparent when we're going by the flesh instead of by the Spirit a lot of times. You can try and justify, you can try and act like this is okay, and you can try and go, none of it matters. You know what it is? The problem is? The problem is you. You're the problem. I'm the problem. In my life, it's me. I'm the one making the mistakes. I'm the one choosing to do what my flesh wants to do. I'm the one following that and running toward those things. You say, what's the problem? The problem is when you sow to the flesh, all of that is corruption. We'll get to that in a minute. Our flesh is not going to give us the benefits we're supposed to have. So the trouble we run into is we sow to that side and we sow to that side and then we expect God to forget all about it because we've been forgiven. Well, if I go to Jesus and I just ask Him to forgive me, then all of what I've done has been wiped away. Well, there's a difference between the temporal and the eternal. Here in this life, you're reaping what you have sown. Mm-hmm. In eternity, you ask Jesus Christ to forgive you of your sins. You call upon Him to save you. You uh, go ahead and restore the relationship according to 1 John chapter 1. If you're a Christian, you go ahead and ask for forgiveness. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. But that restores a relationship that doesn't eliminate the seed that's sitting in the ground for you in this life. Forgiveness for eternity is not the same as what you get in this life for what you have done. God doesn't just automatically go, well, now that you're saved, you get all the blessings of being saved and that's it. I'll take away all the other stuff. Well, then there's no consequences for your actions if he did that. There's no reason for you to not just go wicked and be terrible. Shall we continue in sin that grace might more abound? God forbid. How shall we that are dead to sin live any longer therein? Romans chapter 6. Why would we keep going down that same road? Well, we would if we could just get away with everything. I mean, if I could just do whatever it is I want to do and not have any consequences, that's anarchy and that's what the world wants. The world wants zero consequences for their actions. The Christian ought to be happy that he's accountable to God so that he can keep you in the right path. Liberty, not anarchy. And instead, the Christian runs so many times on his flesh and not being led of the Spirit say, so, well what's what's the difference? Well, look over at 1 Corinthians chapter 3. You want to talk about sowing and reaping? Here we are. 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Now, the context, you get to in verse number 10, 11, 12, right, is the judgment seat of Christ. They've laid the foundation. Jesus Christ is that foundation. That's our salvation. We've trusted Christ as our Savior. In verse number 10, verse number 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, you've got to watch out for what you build, sowing and reaping. <laughs> what you sow in this life will have eternal consequences as well. Then he says in verse number 16, Know ye not that, your temple, that ye are the temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwelleth in you? If any man defile the temple of God, him shall God destroy for the temple of God is holy, which temple ye are. Let no man deceive himself. There he is. If any man be among you seemeth to be wise in this world, let him become a fool, that he may be wise, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. For it is written, He taketh the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knoweth the thoughts of the wise, that they are vain. Therefore let no man glory in men, for all things are yours, whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas or the world or life or death or things present For things to come, all are yours, and ye are Christ's, and Christ is God's. Say, what's he got happening here? He says, you know what? You're supposed to be Christ. You're supposed to be God's. You're supposed to be walking with Him. If you're saved in here this morning, you've trusted Christ as your Savior, the answer is the Spirit of God dwelleth in you. You're the temple. And you're not supposed to defile the temple. Say, what's that? Walking in the flesh and fulfilling the lusts of the flesh and doing all the things that the flesh wants you to do. So then it says, okay, don't do that. Instead, you've got to go ahead and yield to the Spirit of God. You've got to go ahead and listen to what He says and walk in His Spirit as opposed to your flesh. The contrast is your desires and your wants and your way versus the Spirit of God and His wants and His desires and His way. Look back at Romans chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. You know, you get asked this, I get asked this anyways. I'm sure you've probably been asked if you've been saved for any length of time. Well, how do I know that I'm doing what God wants me to do or not? How do, how do I know? And I hate this answer, but it's really the true answer. Because I can't tell you if you're doing it entirely what God wants you to do, right? There's certain decisions. I don't know what car you're supposed to buy. Say, who does? The Lord knows what car you're supposed to buy, right? He knows, he knows the house you're supposed to have. He knows the person you're supposed to marry. He knows, All that stuff, right? I don't know that. I may be able to go, that person, I wouldn't. Probably not good, right? I may go, oh, problem with that vehicle. You probably don't want to buy that. You know, if you know anything about car, you might be able, you might be able to spot some things and help somebody go. Probably not a good idea. It's going to break, <laughs> right? You may be able to help that way and give them a warning. But you don't know what they're supposed to do or not supposed to do. I don't know what they're supposed to do or not supposed to do. I'm not some, you know, weird shaman that knows all the things, right? That's not how we work, right? say, well, how do I know? And the sad reality is, you know because you know. You know what you'll get? You'll get the peace that passeth all understanding. You'll get peace with God going, okay, this is, yeah. Okay, me and God are still good. You say, well, well yeah, but what if I make a mistake? Then you trust that you were trying to do it right, and God forgives that very quickly and easily, and he helps you understand you just you just need a little course correction that's fine god is merciful and he is gracious and he is long-suffering he's not up there the idea of sowing and reaping let me say this before i forget to say it i may not say it later i may say it again though god is not standing up in heaven looking down at you and going all right stephen about to step out of line i'm gonna hit him really hard Why? What kind of a God is that? What kind of a loving Savior is that? He's not waiting for you to mess up so he can bring down the hammer and crack the whip and chop your head off. And you know, That's not the God that he is. He doesn't need your water heater and he doesn't need your car to break down. and he doesn't, That's not what he needs. He doesn't need to take your stuff. He's got plenty of stuff. God took my water heater. No, he didn't take your water heater. All right? He'd, he may have used that to get your attention so you'd actually look up at him, but he didn't care about taking your water here, just so you know. He, he's not a taker. He's a giver. When has God been a taker? He doesn't need anything. <laughs> what does he need to take? He gave his life for you. <laughs> he Giveth you all things richly to enjoy. God's not this weird dictator acting like he's got to beat everybody up and smack them over the head and tell them how awful they are. We know how awful we are. We know we're sowing wrong things. We know when we've done it wrong. We also know, verse number 1 here in Romans chapter 8, I'll get back to the message. At least what I have written for the message. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus hath made me free from the law of sin and death, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh. God sending His own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. For they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh, but they that are after the Spirit, the things that are Spirit, are the things of the Spirit. For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. There it is. You, you, you look up and, you, oh, I've got peace with God. I know what I'm doing. You recognize very quickly whether you're okay or you're not okay. If you're saved, you've got the Holy Spirit of God inside of you. And you know what it does? It leads and guides. It's supposed to tell you. That's why He tells you to grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Whereby you're sealed unto the day of redemption. You know when you're grieving Him. Well, then you're sown to the flesh if you're grieving Him. That's pretty easy to figure out. You're sown to the Spirit when you and Him are at peace and you have a good relationship and the fellowship is good and the walk is good and everything seems right. That's how it works. I'm not, I'm not the guy who's like, oh, you got to be feeling everything. All right? I know our heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. I know if our heart condemns, God is greater than our heart and knoweth all things. But the truth is, you can try the spirits whether they be of God. That's also your job. And you can say, God, am I making the right choice? And open up a book and turn to that Bible and start looking for the right answer and making sure you're right. How am I led of the Spirit? You're led of the Spirit when you're led of the Holy Spirit. You're walking in the Spirit when it's His choices and it's His will and it's His way. Because the difficulty we have is this. If you're not walking in the Spirit, you will fulfill the lust of the flesh. That's automatic. And if you fulfill the lust of the flesh, then you're sowing to the flesh and you will reap corruption. You will reap. He says uh, back there in Galatians chapter 6, we won't turn there, we're gonna stay right here in Romans really quick. But he says uh, in in Galatians chapter 6, right? He that soweth to the flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. And he that soweth to the spirit shall of the spirit reap life everlasting. Those are two very different things. You've already seen it here in Romans chapter 1, or chapter 8, I'm sorry, in verse number 1. No condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Look at verse 6, right? To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Look at verse number 13. For if ye live after the flesh, ye shall die. That's written to Christians. That's not written to lost people. This chapter is not written to the lost. This is saved people. And he looks at them and he says, if you live after the flesh, you're going to reap something. You say, what am I going to reap? Corruption. I'm going to die. You say, I I don't know that that premise is in the Bible. Well, what do you think he's talking about when he's talking about the Lord's table? And he says that many are weak and sickly among you and some sleep. That's death. Why? Because they ate and drank of the Lord unworthily. Not discerning the Lord's, they were wicked, they were living sinful, and they took the Lord's table, and God brought judgment because they decided they weren't going to listen. The Apostle Paul says, hey, uh, church in Corinth, that guy has committed wicked sin, he's in adultery, and he's doing sins that even the Gentiles don't do, and you know what you need to do? You need to turn his body over to Satan. Why? For the destruction of the flesh that his soul might be saved. What's God saying? He's saying, you know what, Christian, you can be living your life so bad in the flesh that he's got to kill you. (laughs) So that's scary. That's the reality of sowing and reaping. You may reap the harvest of your own death because you decided you don't want to live the way God wanted you to live. And he'll get glory out of you dying instead of you living because you don't give him any. And if you want to know how to give God glory, reference last Sunday morning. But the truth is, if you want to live like the devil, you know what God will do? He'll let you die. He'll take you home. He'll punch the ticket early. But you know, sometimes the truth is that it doesn't even go that far. If the Christian wants to turn around and get right, he can get right. Doesn't have to keep going that direction. But don't think God's going to automatically give you crop failure because you decided to turn around and get things right. Realize the prodigal son, one of the greatest examples that we give, the prodigal son, right? He, he gets his inheritance, give me the portion of goods that fall to me, he gets his inheritance early, he leaves, he goes out into a far country, he wastes his substance with riotous living, he spends it all, gets it all taken, he goes ahead, he's down in the hog pen, he gets right, he decides he's going to come home, Right? Comes back to the father's house, he's ready. Uh, I've sinned against heaven before thee. I'm no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me as one of thine hired servants. He doesn't even get it all out. And the father's already hugging him and falling on him and kissing him. And he's turning around telling his servants to go get the robe and go get the ring and go kill the fatted calf. We're having a party. My son was dead and he's alive, right? You realize though that that kid's done with the inheritance. He doesn't get half of what's left now. He, he, he has to reap for the choice he made. He didn't lose being the son. <laughs> he still gets the robe and he still gets a feast and he still gets and he may have a party for a day but you realize that when all is said and done, when dad dies, he doesn't get the house and he doesn't get the fields and he doesn't get any more of the cattle and he doesn't get any more of the crop and he doesn't get any more, instead, he would have to live off the blessings that his brother would give him. How about that? By the way, that's the first half of Galatians chapter 6. But anyways. The blessings of the elder brother given to the younger to restore and help. Anyways, I won't get into that. i will get me all off. But he's not getting a second inheritance. He wasted his. Realize the decisions that we make, Christian, we can choose to sow to the flesh, and what we reap we may not like. But the problem is that God, when he saved you or when he forgave you to get back in fellowship with him, does not eliminate the fact that you made those choices and you put seed in the ground. God's not back over there digging them all up and fixing it. Instead, He's got to let you choose and He's also got to let you reap. And if we sow to the flesh, we will of the flesh reap corruption. But the promise He also gives holds true. He that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. It is no less true of the blessings of God as it is the corruption that you got when you went into the world. It is no less of a reaping on the spiritual side, if you are willing to do it right than it is for the things we've done wrong. I think people lose sight of this. They think that, well, God's only going to, I'm only reaping the the terrible things that I've done. No. That's not a very righteous God. That's not a very good God. Instead, he says, hey, you know what, if you sow to the Spirit, you'll get blessings and benefits and wonders. From sowing to doing the right things. I have this odd formula I talk to people about all the time. And it's, it's the 242 two formula. That's what I have. Pastor Legault knows it. He and I have talked about it. So what happens? Somebody gets saved. They're very excited. And they come to church. And they start coming. And they may even start discipleship. They may, even start, they may start doing all the right things. And they're so excited and they're like, yes. And they see some things changing in their life, but it doesn't change fast enough. Now, sure, they got saved at the age of 30. So they have 30 years worth of sin and terrible life that they've been living, right? And they've been in church for about two months. And their answer is, this isn't changing. I had it just the same as I did before. My situation just isn't improving, and they turn around and they go back to the world. And it's about that time. I don't know how this works. I don't know why this is right. Maybe somebody's got a cool idea as why it's right. But I find every time they go back toward the world, and that's when the blessings start to show up from them doing right. It's almost invariably about that two-month mark. And they go back out into the world. And the blessings start coming. And their answer is, see, I went back to my old life and things got better. Because <laughs> they don't understand you don't reap the same day that you sow. And they go back out there. And you know what? He, you get frustrated because you watch them. And they go back out and they get, and then they spend two months reaping the blessings. And they think everything's great. And then it takes them two more months past that to figure out everything is not great. Because they start reaping again. For all the things that they failed at to keep running, the blessings that they started to get. So they get back into the world and they're living like the world and they so what happens? Well they were in church two months, but then they got blessings for two months when they left, but then they caught up and now it's two months before they figured out so it's two months that it's four months that they're out of church. Then they show back up at church and they're like, I need God back in my life. I mean, I just really need some help, man. I just need... And they drag themselves back in and they sit down and they're like, all right, I'm serious this time. I mean, let's do it. And they're there for about two months. Now you find out if they've gotten it or they haven't gotten it. If they've got it, you know what they'll do? They'll stay just a little longer. And if they stay, the blessings start coming... And it doesn't mean that there's not problems that are still there that they're still reaping for. But if they stay, you know what they find? They start reaping the benefits of trying to do right. Because the crop starts harvesting. You start reaping. And if they would stay reaping, doing the right things, you know what starts to happen? All the other stuff starts to get done reaping. Because you only reap for so long. Now, some crops have a very long lifespan, and you may have to reap some things later. <laughs> but a lot of that stuff, if you just stay doing right, you know what you'd find? It all fall away. All that, all those negative, all that, all that extra garbage. You know what it'll do? Start falling away, and you won't be reaping so much of that stuff if you just keep running the right race. If you'd keep walking in the Spirit and not fulfilling the lust of the flesh, you know what you'll have? You'll have the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law, Galatians 5. You find very quickly that the the fruit starts to show up, the harvest starts to come in, and it points toward life everlasting. Look back at, at Galatians chapter 6. Galatians chapter 6. If they get it, they they stay two months and then they stay. If they don't get it, it's two, four, two, and we go four again. And out they go. And then they come back around. And they stay for two months. And then you find out again if they figured it out. And over. But you say, what's the problem? The problem is they keep sowing out there, they keep going back to the flesh. So you know what's happening? They're going to make more of the wrong seed. They're going to plant more, so they're going to have to reap more and more. And every time you go back on that side, you know what you're doing? All you're doing is sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. Sowing to the flesh and reaping corruption. So you know what he says? Just like you have at the beginning, the warning. Right? The warning is: Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. The warning is: You're not going to make a fool out of God. And the warning is there because we're going to sow to our flesh an awful lot. (laughs) But then he gets, For he that soweth to the flesh shall the flesh reap corruption, but he that soweth to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. Verse 9, And let us not be weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You have an amazing, edifying promise at the end. That ought to strengthen you. Edification is to build you up and strengthen you. You know what that ought to do? That ought to hold your resolve just a little bit more that I can do right. I've got the Spirit inside of me. I'm saved. I'm born again. Have my sins forgiven forever. I'm all set. Everything's great. And so you know what I can do? I can walk in the Spirit so that I don't fulfill the lust of the flesh. If I walk in the Spirit, you know what I'll gain? I'll gain life everlasting and all the rewards that come with it. Look over at Luke. Last spot, Luke chapter 18. I started preaching early, and I don't remember what time it was. But either way, we're just about done right here. Luke chapter 18. Now, if you don't know the chapter, Luke chapter 18, what you have is, this is where the rich young ruler comes to Jesus, right? And Jesus, and he says, you know... Uh, Ultimately, how do I get the kingdom of God, right? That's the question. The question is, how do I I get that? And the Lord says, uh, well, you got to keep all these commandments. (laughs) And he says, all these have I kept from my youth up. What lack I yet? He says, okay, well, you got to sell all that you have and give it to the poor and come and follow me. Now, that is not a statement that applies to all of you. So what was he doing? He was choosing what this man loved the most. He loved his wealth and his status. And he goes away sorrowful. Why? Because he had great possessions. God put his finger on the one thing that guy had that was above God. If Jesus Christ is God, good master, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why why callest thou me good? There's one good, that's God. Is that what you're calling me? Well, if I'm God, then sell everything you've got. But he goes away and he doesn't do it. Sorrowful, because he has great possessions. And so the question comes, well, who then gets eternal, gets eternal life? Verse 28, uh, 26. And they that heard it said, who then can be saved? And he said, the things which are impossible with men are possible with God. Then Peter said, lo, we have left all and followed thee. And he said unto them, Verily I say unto you, There is no man that hath left house or parents or brethren or wife or children for the kingdom of God's sake, who shall not receive manifold more in this present time and in the world to come everlasting life, or life everlasting. So that's an interesting spot. Why would you go there? Well, because the law of sowing and reaping is this. What you sow, you reap. You don't choose what you reap, but you do choose what you sow. You know what family and friends and all those things will do? Those are fleshly connections. They'll cause you to make mistakes in your flesh. Because you'll choose them instead of choosing God. That's the line he's drawing. He says, but if you'd forsake them because they're keeping you away from me, kingdom of God dispensationally, kingdom of God, that's us. All right? If you don't know what that is, ask Pastor Lego. He's back in town. Put him to work. Um, sorry, for I, had, I had to do it. It's been so long. Um, and so, the kingdom of God, that's us. And this is a reference about us. And he says, if you're willing to forsake What your flesh has, those are all fleshly connections, and willing to join on the spiritual side, you know what you'll gain? You'll gain life everlasting. That's what he said there in Galatians chapter 6, right? So to the Spirit shall the Spirit reap life everlasting. But here you find out you'll receive manifold more in this present time. He wants to give you life more abundant. Say, what's stopping him? What you sow. What you sow, you will reap. And the admonition to the Christian is, don't stop doing right. Don't stop doing right. We got plenty of right we can do. There's no shortage of things you can do that's right. (laughs) You found ways to do all the wrong things we want to do, right? We're good at doing wrong. Would to God we'd be better at doing right. And keep sowing to the right things. say, why? Because he wants to pour out a blessing. He wants to bless you. He wants to help you. He wanted to give you eternal life. So he did everything he could to make it so that it was a free gift so that you could have eternal life. Then he goes ahead and gives you the Holy Spirit. When you got saved, you got it so that you could walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Why? So that he could bless you with all the spiritual blessings he could possibly pile on and then go ahead in this present world and give you eternal life in the next. We got it made, Christians. We got it made. If we just put the right stuff in the ground... We got it made. So then the question comes, well, what are you sowing? He tells them in Galatians 6, as you have, therefore, opportunity, let us do good unto, the household of, uh, unto all men, especially those of the household of faith. You got a chance to do good. Is that what you do? You say, well, everybody thinks I'm good. I didn't ask you that. I didn't ask you if everybody thought you were good. Say, why? Because God's the one who's not mocked. Does God think you're good? What does God think about what you do? What does God think about what you sow? What is God going to let you reap? That's the question today. If you're without Jesus Christ this morning, you've never trusted Christ as your Savior. You have no idea your sins are forgiven, that heaven is yours forever. God forbid, but if something were to happen on your way home today and you were to meet God face to face, would you know that He's forgiven you of all of your sins and you're going to spend eternity in heaven? If not, the Bible is very clear. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. You can know that it's all taken care of because Jesus Christ made a promise And that promise is that He died for your sins and was buried and rose again. And if you would trust Him and call upon Him, He would save to the uttermost if you'd be willing. But that's your choice. Sowing and reaping. It's all about choices. It's all about choices. Let's go ahead and stand this morning. They're going to come and we're going to sing and Maybe you've never seen this before, but we do an invitation. We invite you to come. And if you'd be willing to come, you can come down, you can pray, nobody will bother you. You need to talk to the Lord and say, Lord, I'm sorry for some of the things. Maybe you need to pray for some crop failures and ask Him to. He may not. Maybe you need to say, I'm sorry, and just get forgiveness and start sowing the right things. Maybe you're lost in here, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior I'd love for you to come and I'd open up a Bible and we'll show you out of the word of God how you can know your sins are forgiven forever. We'd gladly open, we'd take the time, we'd answer your questions, whatever we can do. Nobody's gonna force you, nobody's gonna make you do anything, but if you wanna know, we'll gladly open a Bible and show you what God says about it. But you can know today, I'd hate for you to leave and not know that heaven is yours forever. Make it today. Christian. I hope you're sowing the right things. God wants to give you all the blessings he can. Say, who's stopping it? Just me. In my life, it's me. In your life, it's you. What will it be today? Father, I do pray you would bless the invitation now. Someone here doesn't know Jesus Christ as their Savior. I pray today would be the day of salvation for them. Or once again, we pray you'd come back soon. In Jesus' name, amen.